Hello, hello, welcome to the Eddie Conversation Podcast. My name is Eddie V. Hill and I am your host. Uh, this is episode number 35. Uh, today, joining me is you. Um, I am doing a little uh, Q&A style episode here. I asked for questions um, on, my, on my podcast. I am currently in Los Angeles, California. Uh, in the valley, it has been very hot. But regardless, let's jump into some questions right off the bat here. Um, I will keep these anonymous and just see how many I can get through and uh, and see what happens here. Um, let's see. Uh, let's start with some easy stuff. All right. Um, this is how to supervise an action scene. Uh, things to be mindful about. All right, so this is being asked because I'm a script supervisor uh, in film, um, handling continuity and making sure uh, that things will play out nicely in the edit. Um, so I guess action scenes specifically, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do know. It's, it's, it's no different than any other normal scene. Like, I guess the question would be, how do you script supervise? Uh, for, for basics, for starters, script supervising, I am there to make sure that the continuity and everything matches from take to take. So if we start with a wide shot and then move into a tighter version or a close-up and an actor is expected to do the same actions once again or say the same dialogue again, I just make sure that it doesn't vary enough to where it won't cut together. Um, so in an action scene, this is a lot of creative liberties can be taken in an action scene that can't be taken, can't, quotes, uh, um, as, I don't know, there's too much to explain here. Um, action scenes are very specific in the shots you want to get. Ideally, you have kind of like your storyboard outline of of what you want to see happen how it's framed and go from moment to moment you don't necessarily have to worry about the 180 line which if you know what that is is uh i don't know if you know what it is then you know what it is if you don't know what it is it is how do i put this simply um it's just like changing screen direction on a cut within <laughs> within <laughs> When you're watching a movie and one person's looking from the right to the left and they're facing this way, if you're watching the video, then everything should be playing on, on this side of the camera. But if the camera switches to this side, it can play kind of, it can look kind of weird in the edit. But um, with an action scene, very flexible. Uh, go ahead and jump the line as long as motions are clear, uh, things can go very well and I don't know it's kind of technical very difficult to explain in a quick summed up answer here so I'm gonna move on this one's nice and easy okay uh, if you watched and enjoyed a movie uh, would knowing it was created by AI affect enjoyment all right so um, interesting question uh, all right, so I'm imagining myself 
sitting down, watching a movie, knowing nothing about it, enjoying it, and then after the fact and the credits, you know, they, they always have those cool little captions of, this was shot on an iPhone. And you're like, oh my gosh, this was shot on an iPhone? That's incredible. So this said, what, what does this say? Created. This was created by AI. Then I would just be like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I may, like, that would be kind of cool. Um... I don't know how it would affect my experience or enjoyment. I don't know. I guess I guess the the expected response would be it's like, "Oh no, the one thing I offer to this world has been taken from me and robots <laughs> can make an enjoyable movie, then why am I even doing this?" And I may have an ex an existential crisis. Um and that might kill my enjoyment. I might go anti-robot and anti-AI and uh, try to stop that because uh, I would have to claim that they can't do what I can do. And um, yeah, that's, I'm assuming that's where that was expected to go. <clears throat> um, all right, so how have you funded your features? Um, how, how did you go about it? Um, so just to, to clarify, I have uh, produced and directed two feature films in case, in case, uh, yes, in case you are unfamiliar. The first feature that I directed and produced is called It's What's on the Inside. Um, that one is, is uh, that one was released this last April, just a couple months ago. And um, that one is very public on how I approached that one. That one was done via Kickstarter. That's a whole process on its own. Um, I talk about it a little bit in a previous episode um, featuring Scott Baker. He was a big help in, in getting me lined up with my goals on how to approach the Kickstarter, uh, specifically the crowdfunding that way. Um, I guess the little wrinkle that I tack on to that is I saved my crowdfunding. Um, I don't know, like I, I avoided crowdfunding for a long time. And I was like, this is the time to do it. In my mind, I only had one chance. So I was like, all right, great. Let's, uh, let's hold off on this for years. Like my entire time making stuff in Reno from like 2014 to 2018, I never crowdfunded. So... In my mind, I was able to present myself and show showcase my um, my abilities and my follow through for enough time to where, when it did come time to crowdfund, I was counting on people knowing that I would I would get the project done and that their money wouldn't go to waste and I would I would use it wisely. So I I spent a lot of time building the foundation for which to lay a crowdfunding campaign over. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it takes time. It's not really the best answer. That was the first one. The second one, um, oh, budget. <laughs> um, yes, that's, that's my short answer on that. Uh, the second one was more of a, hey, we all want to make a movie. Uh, we have the time. We have a, we have a place. Um, and then... And then I was able to find a way to get people out there 
and house people and feed people and I did have I did have help on uh, paying for those expenses um, but those were those were I guess the other traditional method of um, you know asking close family close friends for for individual help on on a particular focus like for instance the biggest um, cost on this last feature uh, I mean aside from equipment <laughs> was uh, was catering so um, that was that was a big thing where I, I, I reached out specifically for help on a on a specific cost and uh, that seemed to work out very nicely um, so yeah I mean funding is always difficult I know uh, I'm getting I'm, I'm lining up uh, some early groundwork on on the next one and trying to explore this other method called equity crowdfunding um, which is similar to the crowdfunding you may be familiar with like Kickstarter or Indiegogo or or, or those sort of things um, those sort of platforms but this one instead of just getting perks for the pledge uh, you are buying for stake in the company equity in the in the actual project itself so if the project you know it's a little bit more of an investment because uh, you make money if they make money versus just giving money so so it's a different whole different deal whole different beast many different hurdles I would recommend if you're interested in checking that out uh, the two main platforms I've explored the most are start engine and WeFunder. So if you just hop on those, look at the movies that are on those, you can get a good idea of, of what those look like and the type of people that push on that route and uh, the type of information they present, which kind of that face value looks very similar. Um, so it could be a little bit misleading. Regardless, that's an option. All right, uh, let's see. What else we got here? Um, all right, uh, advice for someone wanting to get into comedic acting and writing. Thanks. All right, great. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, comedic acting, I can't, I don't know if I can speak too much on the acting side. Uh, I haven't. I haven't explored that route as often or as as deep as the uh, as the writing I would say for myself I know that I've spent a lot of time over the last uh, year and a half let's say like 2020 or I sense making it's what's on the inside which uh, is not a comedy but I love comedy I was like all right great I got a nice dramatic feature out of the way <laughs> That was it was very heavy kind of deep um, and I wanted to find my comedic self and find that voice because I knew it was there and I've tried it before um, so since then I know I, I I went back to my roots of wow let's make some more stuff let's experiment um, let's feel it out see what's what plays what doesn't play so I would write some I guess for starters, advice, write some shorter projects. Uh, I would write 
anywhere from like, I don't know, two to eight pages of a piece that I would expect to shoot myself uh, with some funny friends and bust that out over a day or two days and see how it comes out and, uh, and see what I enjoyed and what I didn't enjoy and what I felt good about and who I liked working with and who made things funny and what fell flat. Um, so yeah, normally mine is a trial and error method. So I could assume that it would play similarly for acting. Um, because I know I have, I have seen actors uh, create their own content via stuff that they write. Um, and really, really shine on the on the acting side, and uh, it's fun as a director seeing that happen. Um, trial and error, right? Make, shoot, edit, get it done, and uh, keep growing. But yeah, comedy is tough and it's subjective. So as long as you find it funny, and uh, that's a good start, and then ideally you can nail it in the production process and others will get it or they won't ideally some people enjoy it and they get your humor all right let me swipe over here um this one's a nice easy one uh do i miss chama lol is how it's written here um chama new mexico specifically is what uh this person is referring to it is where we shot this latest feature spent a month I spent six weeks there was it six weeks um, uh, effectively over a month in this tiny town about a thousand person population maybe less less than these days I don't know um, yes I do miss it uh, the nice open beautiful valley in the spring uh, the nice clean air, the quiet nights, the quiet days, the no traffic. It was everything that Los Angeles is not. So um, <laughs> it was great and it was much needed and I do miss it. Uh, how did I get started? Well, okay, the question is how did you get started directing? Um, thanks for asking. Uh, Let's see, my start as a director. I know, I, I've told this story before on the podcast, um, but I, I uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know. Um, I initially jumped into the film industry, quote unquote, pursuing uh, the acting side. I wanted to be an actor. I feel like I wanted to be an actor because I didn't know what anything else was. So, like, when you watch a movie as a kid growing up, you're like, oh, like, being Spider-Man, like, look at Tobey Maguire, like, that seems like so much fun, I want to do that. Um, without really knowing what goes into that or who's involved with making the decisions, like... So, initially, I was an actor. I didn't have the personality for it. I feel like I still don't have the personality for it, but regardless, I grew up shy. I did not like the spotlight. I did not like the attention on me. I did not like being asked to do something in terms of like, hey, perform right now. Like you're an actor, perform, say something funny. I 
I don't like performing on command, <laughs> which is acting. Um, I did give it a shot. Uh, I took an acting 101 class my last semester of college. Uh, I did I did a five year track uh, to become a to get my mining engineering degree. I was sick and tired of all the math, and I needed some sort of creative break. So during my last semester, acting 101. Um, kind of re-sparked my, my creative drive and when I graduated and the mining industry kind of fell through I was like well let's uh, let's jump to plan B immediately like the plan A was go make some money as an engineer and then move to Los Angeles with a lot of money underneath me and kind of figure it out then um, but because there was no working as an engineer, go straight to not necessarily move to LA, but explore acting in the city that I was in, which was Reno, Nevada. Um, I somehow, I don't even know how it played out, like my acting 101 instructor reached out to me saying, hey, there's a, a local community theater play. They're looking for actors check it out. So I, I, I don't even know if I auditioned or if they just picked me up, but regardless, I uh, got into that. Through that, I met uh, an acting instructor that I believed in and I liked, and I took her uh, scene study class. Um, did one more play after that while doing scene study. So I really got to dive into the emotional side of what an actor has to go through to just prep for the day. And uh, I really did not like performing on the stage and I wanted to be in front of a camera. Opportunities in Reno were like non-existent. So, started producing my own stuff. Um, and therefore, because I was so new and I didn't know anybody, I didn't know what I was doing for the most part. Um, I just had to do everything myself. I would, I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote stuff via almost, almost copying stuff. Like I was like, I was trying to recreate stuff that I already liked with my own spin on it. So I would take a scene from a, mo a movie that I enjoyed, dissect why it worked for me, try to shoot it shot for shot, change the dialogue up and just see what happened. Um, so I, I would have to direct myself and other actors to shoot my early stuff. And then through the process, I'm like, I don't like acting, but I like directing. And I want to get better at this because in the very beginning, whew, it was rough. I would, I, it was very stressful. And it took me uh, many, many days on, on set to get comfortable with, uh, with the role and uh, I've barely, I've barely tapped into um, who I think I, I, who I think I really can be as a director, and uh, lean into that confidence in myself. But in the very beginning, I just figured it out as I went along as a necessity to get myself in front of the camera, uh, and that's that's how I got my start. Just kind of stumbled into it. All right, Whew. next up, let's see what I got here. Um, 
uh, Los Angeles question. Uh, any housing slash location suggestions for an actor new to LA? Uh, I think this is kind of general for, for somebody trying to get involved in the film industry. And I know I talk to, to friends about this all the time. Because um, I was recently looking for a new place to live, and I'll, everybody asks, like, oh, well, where are you trying to look? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. There's, there's no perfect place to live in Los Angeles to be involved in film, is my perspective. The freelance indie life of, of building up the experience and, and getting, getting involved and just getting those credits up. You do short projects very frequently all around town. So you never know where you're going to land. It's very difficult to get from one part to another. And you're never going to be in a place where all the gigs are at. So it's no win scenario. It's difficult everywhere. There's traffic everywhere. It's hot everywhere. There's people everywhere. And it's expensive everywhere. So my advice as an actor, I'm sorry, my advice to an actor new to LA, um, go somewhere that you can afford. Somewhere where I guess maybe ideally that you know somebody um, and you can kind of get some roots going with some familiarity as a foundation and you can kind of branch out from there. Um, I'm a big fan of the valley. Uh, I've also lived in kind of the Silver Lake area. Uh, and I popped around, I popped around for sure. So, I don't know. The valley, I like the valley. It feels very central for me, kind of the Burbank, uh, Burbank area. It's pretty cool. But East LA is popular too. Go wherever you want. I have no idea. Just get here. Um, okay. Uh, hmm. Let's see, what's your favorite things to do in LA? Another Los Angeles question that are not film related. Um, this is something that I, I have, I have difficulty with, uh, is doing stuff that is not film related. The, the thing that I was able to kind of find during, during quarantine pandemic, early pandemic, uh, I guess as a necessity, I don't even know. Yeah, I, I had, you know, a handful of people I interacted with and one activity that we had was um, going to the beach. I enjoy a beach day. If I'm gonna, if, I, if, if I'm gonna not do something for a day, I have definitely greatly enjoyed hanging out on the beach, going to uh, Playa del Rey specifically has been the beach that we go to. Always easy to park. Not much, not much, not many people on the beach. You do have the LAX airport with like planes flying over every bit, but like that doesn't it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't kill the experience. So I enjoy that. Uh, I do enjoy. Um, I don't know. This is more of a productive thing, but running uh, and reading books. And um, I have a Nintendo Switch, so I'll play like Super Smash Brothers here and there. And uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? I know there's going to be one more thing I was going to say. Uh, oh, I don't know. Throwing some Frisbee around, getting some movement in. I always enjoy that. Okay, next up.
Uh, okay. Uh, paying your bills in the movie making life? Question mark. I've never figured it out, but you seem to know how. <laughs> this is a, a question from someone that does not live in Los Angeles. Um, I, I believe this person has, I don't, anyway, regardless, it's a good question. I know, um, like when I, whenever I have a chance to catch up with a friend that I had, still have, but at the time I was maybe just trying to get involved in film or was making my short film projects in Reno or like, I don't know, like it was still a, I'm just out here making stuff, trying to learn. Those friends <laughs> will often be really confused as to how I'm surviving in Los Angeles, um, which is kind of funny. And it makes sense. They're like, oh, like you're making this movie and you're doing this and you're doing that. But like, how do you live? How does it work? Where is Where does the money come from? Um, so I've mentioned it before, I freelance as a script supervisor. I found my niche there. Um, it is a great, I've heard, uh, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't really know this getting into it, but it is, it is a great place to be for, um, I'll call myself essentially a budding director. You get to land on many sets, watch many directors at work, sit in the chair right next to them, collaborate with them as well as all the other department heads. Um, and uh, make money. You make money that way being a support player in, in getting a project done for somebody else, which I am very happy to support another director, another creative, other creatives. Um, that's, that's definitely what gets me going and what makes me love every moment on set that I have is, is that whole collaborative process. Um, so I guess that finding finding the space that you that you fit where you are an asset to the production is just all you need to do. It's very difficult. Um, but yeah, I guess the other way of doing it is keep your bills low, right? Don't have much you have to don't require too much work to get by, work enough to be able to stay and um, just build up from there. Yeah, about two and a half years in, still here, very exciting, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where that all goes. Uh, which Duplass Brothers film is my favorite? Um, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen too many Duplass Brothers films. I'm not quite sure why the ask of Duplass Brothers specifically. Um, I am a big fan of the super indie, I just learned uh, mumblecore style of filmmaking. Very like, I don't know, like a handheld camera. It feels very thrown together. It feels very improvised. It feels very naturalistic and in the moment and uh, grounded is a word that I would use, but it, uh, uh, I know when I first learned about them when I was getting prepped for It's What's on the Inside, I was doing a lot of research on the Duplass brothers. I watched their 
uh, I think it was our first Sundance movie. Oh, Sundance, I believe. Uh, the Puffy Couch. And it's, I feel like it's a obs kind of obscure indie film that not, not the normal folk would, would watch, but potentially, potentially check it out. It's uh, a great, a great little relationship flick um, with, a, with a nice kind of playful, very simple goal is we're leaving to go pick up this couch, <laughs> the puffy couch. But I like that one a lot. I, I watched uh, the one I love uh, is a more recent Duplass movie, I think. And I watched that one for research for my latest feature. So I, I consistently go back to their style because it definitely is in the vein of the, of the movies that I try to make. Um, yeah. That's my answer. Puppy, the puffy chair. Um, <laughs> Alright, how, uh, how to gauge whether a story is feature-worthy or better as a short film. Now, I don't know if I am the best to speak on this. Uh, um, Alright, well, I guess... The way that I think about it is, um, <laughs> is if it depends on how, I don't know, it's a, it's a lame answer. It depends on how big the idea is. Um, I was talking with some filmmaker buddies earlier and they were talking to me about a, a film that they had watched that the, uh, I don't know, what, that the little twist on this on this film kind of got old after like two minutes, <laughs> and I was joke. Oh, I was kind of like joking, like that's a great concept. It's a great concept for a short film. Like, oh well, I enjoy the the uh, the I don't know, 110 minutes of this thing where they they play into this for for that long. Um, very vague, not very helpful. I will say, for instance, if the short film idea, which was attempted by a group of us at one point that totally, totally did not work whatsoever, it was a horrible idea, <laughs> but for some reason we tried it. Um, well, let's say, oh, what if, like, hear me out, what if we shot this story but instead of like shooting people's faces, we just see their feet. So somebody gets out of a car. You know, it's very common that you like watch, you have an introduction to a character by seeing like the, the style of shoes that they are wearing, the, the boots or the heels or whatever, like that says a lot about a character. So what if you just stayed on that and you never, you never kind of tilted up or cut to their face and it was, all shoes and feet acting. <laughs> For me, I wouldn't want to watch that. That's not a movie. That's at best a short film. Um, so I guess like I think about it as like an, a quote-unquote experimental idea. If, if I want to exper experiment with like one specific story element 
or a specific editing style or and it's not really about the story it's more about either the writing I'm trying to do or a character I'm trying to feel out or that kind of helps dictate for me that oh this is a short versus a feature the story comes first and the way I shoot it comes second whereas a short it could go the other way where it's like alright what are we trying to do here what am I trying to learn and then everything I learn here gets implemented into the feature I have no idea I have no idea I feel like you can probably find a way to spin a short into a feature like that's that happens all the time so um, all right next <sighs> all right this is a big one I will try my best to uh, bring any sort of insight to this whatsoever this is uh, where do you see trans slash queer inclusivity heading in front and behind the camera now um, I again I don't feel like I am any sort of representative for how things are going in the industry whatsoever I do I do land on set so I do get to see ideally I get to see trends as they happen or I get reached out to projects that are pushing for certain things um, and I do listen to other podcasts and keep up with with news and whatnot so like a podcast that I do listen to script notes I've shouted the shouted them out plenty of times before um, it's a writing podcast so I know the root of inclusivity in general can often start with the writing of the project what kind of characters are you writing into your story and I know that lots of writers are very mindful of inclusivity and uh, fighting default white and default male there's this tendency for people let's just say I don't know anybody a reader or a casting director or if you look at a script and and the character is introduced but there's no description of the character often the reader will project default white dude like if it's just like oh a garbage truck person or a uh, or a police officer that's a bad example or a uh, you know this the, the uh, what's what's the lame stuff like I don't know what the booth the cashier whatever um, so I know uh, a writer could put a last name in there let's say that that could help sway the ethnic thoughts on it's like oh last name is and then the casting director will cast that versus the default white but I, I have heard that that if you don't put what specifically you're looking for or kind of hint at it in some way that that is a thing that might happen so to get to this specific question trans and queer um, I, I guess the the ideal hope is that everybody is being included <laughs> and that's uh, 
and that comes down to just like I'm a I'm a big fan of writing let's just say writing characters that are that wide open landscape on, on who could play that character is like there's no description for that character but instead of casting them as a white dude why don't we look at some trans actors or some queer actors or etc and and I feel like a lot of filmmakers are more open to uh, trying to trying to make that work because we are in a different time and I am optimistic in that sense so that's my answer um, I do know that uh, that writers are a lot more mindful of it and through a writer I, I could only assume that the actors themselves as well as everybody involved, such as directors, producers, casting directors, are all keeping it in mind. Um, but that's kind of as far as, that's as deep as I can get with, with that specific question. Let's see what else. Let me try to squeeze in a couple more here. Uh, this one I definitely, I'll try my best. This is going to be a bad answer. Um, as someone who isn't repped, how can we get in front of TV slash film casting directors? Help, please, with a crying face emoji. Okay, thanks for asking the question. I, I think I've mentioned this before. I have never worked with a casting director to cast anything that I've ever made. I do look forward to the day of having that happen. Um, for now, I do not have that experience, um, though I did have a casting director on my podcast before, Chad Darnell, who I worked with as a script supervisor. He was the director. He's from Georgia. He did mention that if, I don't know, he, he mentioned in that podcast that uh, he worked very hard to get to know the Georgia actor pool. And if you didn't know who you were, it was your fault because he, that's, that's just how, I don't know. I, I, I do not recall if he elaborated. So maybe go check out that episode. But uh, I guess that is a question. How do you get in front of casting directors? I like to ask why get in front of a casting director when you can get in front of a director. But then again, I don't know how it works. I've never been through that process. Casting director, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> in the comments, reach out, I don't know, whatever, somehow. My assumption is the casting director corrals all the people, all the actors, the potential actors, and hands them over to the director, and the director then picks from that pool. So ideally what you're saying is you're not even in the mix unless the casting director brings you in. I like to think they bring in that pool, the director saws people outside of that pool, I'm sure, that they want to work with or that they're bringing in on top of that pool. So there's multiple ways in. It's more than just casting directors. Directors exist too, and they make the final call. Usually, in a collaboration with, I don't know, writer, producer, showrunner. Or maybe they're just handed, I don't know. It's all over the place, depending on what you're looking for. But you said film and TV. 
TV might be different. I have no idea what I'm saying. Next. All right, let's see. Maybe I'll do I'll do I'll do two more. Um Okay, this one is nice and easy. Who's your favorite cousin and why is it me? Nope, I don't pick favorites. Next. All right, this one, let's see. Okay, has reading nonfiction regularly affected your storytelling and how so? All right, this last question. Um, so reading nonfiction. Uh, I've mentioned this before. Um, reading is a newer thing that I've I've tried to make consistent in my in my day to day routine. I'll call it, uh, and it has been it has been great. Jeez. Um, All right. So nonfiction specific. I'm more of a fan of reading fiction. Uh, nonfiction. I've read some stuff on like meditation, um, the history of humankind. Uh, right now I'm reading a bio an autobiography of uh, Malcolm X. Um, so nonfiction in particular, I don't know. I don't know. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more enlightening on the world I live in versus uh, versus um, usable in storytelling I don't know I think it helps okay the way that it helps is just like any other book it creates empathy it, you, you're, you're, you're placed in other other people's shoes you're really the the writer frame some sort of idea for you in a way you haven't thought about it before which which puts you in their mind in their way of thinking and you come out the other end with this whole experience that you never had before and this way of thinking the way of looking at things um, experiences a person has had that you've never encountered yourself and that could be placed in characters that you write that could be placed in just day-to-day -day empathy with other people that exist around you um, as you expand the potential the I don't know just the, the more exposure you give yourself to how others live and how others have lived I feel like you just you feel for more you feel more so for those around you and um, I don't know I guess I probably implement Plenty of the stuff that I read from nonfiction, um, I don't know. Bad answer. Tried my best. I don't know what else to put at the at the tail end of this, though. I I I do. I did enjoy. Um, I did enjoy um, asking for questions. So thanks everybody for submitting. Sorry if I didn't get to your answer. I'll hopefully do one of these again soon. Um, hope you enjoy. I am in the process currently of what I'm getting settled into this new place. I am back on set. I am prepping to make feature number three. I am in post on feature number two. 
trying to figure out what what happens with feature number one and getting some numbers in from that experience on the distribution side and seeing how that went. Um, we're about three months out from that release here coming up, which is very exciting. <sighs> I don't know, feeling a little bit floaty these days. I, I, I feel like I'm trying to find some sort of grounding and uh, what's the word? Like I'm trying to reattach myself to some sort of goal and figure out like what I'm doing. Um, it feels a little bit up in the air. I am trying to go union as a script supervisor. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm trying to collect as much experience and, and, and keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm happy to share what I learn with you. Uh, reach out whenever, message me on Instagram. Find me on Twitter. I'm there. Nobody ever tweets me, but uh, I'm there. I don't know. I don't really use it. So, um, yeah, happy to uh, happy to be doing my thing. Weekly podcast. Subscribe. Uh, leave 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 a comment if you're on YouTube. Like the video. Uh, what's the other thing you can do? Yeah, share it. Uh, stay stay in touch and I, I have some a bunch of a bunch of awesome guests coming up that I have slated so uh, yeah subscribe keep in the loop talk to you soon bye <laughs>